You're listening to ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. What is the latest on sickle cell disease? Is pain only an issue in sickle cell crisis? Is there a gender difference in pain perception among sickle cell patients? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt from Foothill Psychiatry in Boise, Idaho, your host. And with me today is Dr. James Levinson. Dr. Levinson is Professor of Psychiatry, Medicine, and Surgery at the Virginia Commonwealth University School of Medicine, where he is also Chair of the Division of Consultation Liaison Psychiatry and Vice Chair for Clinical Affairs in the Department of Psychiatry. He's published over 165 papers and book chapters and four books. His scholarly interests include psychiatric disorders and their treatment in the medically ill, psychological factors effects on healthcare utilization, as well as medical ethics. Welcome to ReachMD, Dr. Levinson. Thanks, Leslie. I'm delighted to be here. Could you please give us just a quick review of sickle cell disease in general? Sure. Sickle cell disease is an autosomal recessive genetic disorder affecting hemoglobin structure. And besides causing anemia, its main symptom is that of pain, especially the acute episodes of severe pain known as sickle cell crises. Almost 80,000 Americans have sickle cell disease, most of them African Americans. Sickle cell pain is mostly managed at home. What got us interested in particular in studying some of the psychosocial aspects of sickle cell disease in adults is that over the last 35 years, the median age of survival has increased from just 20 years old to today when many individuals with sickle cell disease are living well into adulthood. Dr. Levinson, why don't you fill us in on the pattern of pain that sickle cell patients have? Well, that's really interesting because until now, most physicians, including specialists, have tended to just focus on the sickle cell crises. Those are dramatic. Those are what it was believed led people to seek urgent health care. In fact, most research on sickle cell disease tended to equate seeking health care, emergent health care, as the measure of crisis. What we found, however, is that there's much more pain in sickle cell disease than when the patients go to the emergency room and get hospitalized. Much more pain even than when they're in crisis. We found through collecting daily pain diaries for up to six months in these 300 individuals that they had pain on more than half the days during this. In fact, many of them had crises and didn't go seek medical attention. About 29, almost 30% of the patients reported being in pain on more than 95% of the days. And only 14% of these patients reported pain less than 5% of the days. So what we concluded was that pain in adults with sickle cell disease is actually the rule rather than the exception. And it's far more prevalent and more severe than than previous studies had suggested. Most of these patients are staying at home when they're in pain, and therefore that just wasn't visible to the medical profession. So were you able to figure out what then drives them to the emergency room when they're having pain almost all the time anyway? What's the pivotal event? As best we can determine, it's when their baseline pain accelerates. It's when their pain gets worse enough and medication isn't working and they're just in too much pain. We found little or no evidence 
that patients were going to the hospital just to seek opiates, which is a commonly held stigmatized view of sickle cell patients. Yeah, certainly that that's what I recall from training, that they're basically drug addicts and, you know, using the sickle cell as an excuse to get opiates. That's one of those situations where one or two patients who fit that pattern, unfortunately, stick in physicians' minds, and the silent majority of patients who are suffering with their pain at home or coming to the emergency room in desperate pain, waiting hours before they're seen, and who legitimately need opiates. Now, what else have you found about the sickle cell patient group in terms of mood disorders, anxiety disorders? Well, we knew that depression and anxiety were were common in sickle cell adults. We knew that clinically, but it really had not been studied in large prospective fashion in this way. And what we found were that more than a quarter of the patients were significantly depressed, and a little over 6% of them had severe anxiety. We found that those who were significantly depressed had pain on more days than the sickle cell adults who weren't depressed. In fact, the depressed patients had pain on over 70% of their days versus under 50% for the non-depressed. And when they weren't in crisis, the depressed subjects had higher levels of pain, more distress from their pain, the pain interfered more in their life, and the depressed patients had poorer quality of life on all the measures in the study. Anxious patients similarly had more pain, more distress from pain, more interference in their lives, and poorer quality of life. In fact, we found that depression was a stronger predictor of quality of life than the most objective index of sickle cell disease severity, and that would be hemoglobin type. Now, any changes or differences in healthcare utilization among the patients that had comorbid depression or anxiety with their sickle cell? The depressed patients did not utilize healthcare any differently than the anxious patients, and the anxious patients used opioids a little more often, but were not statistically more likely to go to the emergency room or get hospitalized. Now, if you're new to our channel, you're listening to ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is Dr. James Levinson, the chair of the American Board of Psychiatry and Neurology's Committee for Subspecialization in Psychosomatic Medicine. We're discussing some of the qualities of pain in different sickle cell patient groups. Dr. Levinson, now you've also looked at gender differences in pain in this population. What did you expect to find? Well, given that many studies have found gender differences in the frequency intensity of pain, and specifically that women often report lower thresholds for pain, a higher rating of pain, and lower tolerance for pain, and that women are at higher risk for certain chronic painful conditions like fibromyalgia, migraine, rheumatoid arthritis, irritable bowel syndrome, we expected that adult women with sickle cell disease would also differ in their pain experience compared to men. And did they? No, that's not what we found. We found there were no significant differences between men and women in how often they experienced pain, in how many painful crisis episodes they had, or in the degree or rating of their pain. And there wasn't really any difference in how much the pain distressed them or interfered in their lives, nor was there any significant difference in how often they sought health care. And in most other diseases, women seek health care more often than men. Right. So I wonder what makes a sickle cell disease patient group different. Any ideas? Well, we wonder about that too, and we're not certain. But this is a lifelong condition that starts in childhood. And it includes both acute, and as we've been talking about today, not only acute painful episodes, but chronic pain on at least half the days of one's life on average. 
So in this way, sickle cell disease probably is just not comparable to something like migraine or fibromyalgia. And it seems to be affecting men and women quite similarly. Another possible explanation is that most of these other studies that I was mentioning on pain and other diseases have focused primarily or sometimes exclusively on Caucasian populations. Mm -hmm. And our patient population for the study, not surprisingly, was 100% African-American. And there is some evidence that African-Americans experience pain in in some ways differently than Caucasians and uh, that there may be psychosocial factor differences between them. It seems to me that sickle cell is really a a wonderful opportunity to use a a complete treatment team in terms of providing care for these patients, that the psychosocial aspects are critical. Is that how you manage these patients? Tell us what you do in your practice. We have a, a multidisciplinary sickle cell clinic here with a very attentive nurse practitioner who follows these patients very closely. Sickle cell patients who don't have access to specialists find that they're seeing a different doctor every time and that they have difficulty getting the opiate prescriptions that they need. And uh, we found that giving them a consistent primary physician, easy access to a nurse practitioner, and as needed, access to psychological and psychiatric services, that that the outcomes are much better. Now, can we generalize what you've learned in sickle cell disease to treat African-American patients that maybe have other chronic conditions? I wouldn't want to extrapolate too far. Uh, Sickle cell disease is unique in some respects, but as we were talking about depression being very common in sickle cell disease, it's much more common in adults with sickle cell disease than it is in the general adult African-American population, but it's similar. It's similarly common in both Caucasians and African-Americans with diseases like coronary artery disease or or diabetes. And depression in those diseases, like in sickle cell disease, has very negative impacts on quality of life. So regardless of of the chronic physical disease, paying attention to the possibility the patient is significantly depressed and intervening with depression should be a high priority. And certainly your, your background is great for this topic, is being chair of the Consultation Liaison Psychiatry Division in your university. What might you suggest to non-psychiatrists who are listening in terms of a screening for depression in chronically medically ill patients? Well, there are a number of readily available brief screens For example, the PHQ-9, which is something that the patient fills out, him or herself. But I would remind non-psychiatric colleagues that simply asking the patient, have you been depressed or are you depressed, is almost as good as a rating scale. It really doesn't require very much time to ask that. So just opening the door to the topic. Absolutely. Don't you think that some non-psychiatry professionals are afraid that then maybe the floodgates will open and they'll hear more than they really want to hear about their depression and possibly suicidality? I think that's right, although really only a relatively small fraction of patients with depression are actively suicidal. The busy clinician today is probably afraid to open the door to hearing about all the stress in the person's in the patient's life, but if one doesn't have some idea of what's going on in one's patient's life, it's, it's going to be pretty hard to be an effective doctor. And it is possible to open the subject without opening the floodgates.
Makes sense to me. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Well, thank you for having me and, and uh, providing the opportunity to talk about sickle cell disease. We've been discussing psychosocial implications in sickle cell disease and other chronic medical illnesses with our guest today, Dr. James Levinson. I'm Dr. Leslie Lent, your host, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your questions and comments, so please visit us at ReachMD.com. Our new on-demand and podcast features will allow you to access our entire program library online. Thank you for listening. 